Putting the pieces together with Jigsaw Learning focuses on stories from the field as leaders implement collaborative response. Join us every month as we invite our partners to share how they are meeting the diverse needs of students with the integral understanding that every child deserves a team. Welcome back to another episode of Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning. We are joined once again by Jeff Thompson, who is the Deputy Superintendent of Peace River School Division. And just kind of old hat at this. He and I had a conversation, but we wanted to bring him back to have a chat with Curtis and Lorna to see how, th how things are going up there. But Jeff, for anybody who doesn't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your school division and maybe a little bit about how you got to be the Deputy Superintendent of Peace River School Division? I'm very uh, honored to be uh, in the role that I'm, I'm in with the, the Peace River School Division. Um, we're a very small school division, around 3,000 students, 20 sites in total, including um, uh, 21, including our uh, home learning um, connection school and some other eight uh, Mennonite uh, colony schools. Um, so I came to Peace River School Division uh, in August 2017 for one year, and having spent a long career uh, rewarding career in another part of the country and I'll let you guess where that might be um, <laughs> might have been and uh, and uh, and then uh, one year turned into two to four to now into six years and uh, it's been a great experience for me um and uh, you know and into year one toward the end of year one we uh, became uh, I became aware of collaborative response um, a former colleague of mine Alita Plock um, introduced me to the concept she had been at the mighty peace conference I guess um, um, convention in Grand Prairie and had heard uh, jigsaw learning uh, um, present and uh, the shortly after that in mid-june I guess May June uh, she and I linked up with Curtis and we've been on a, a really exciting journey since that time you know, it's funny when you mentioned that I only came for one year. I began my teaching career about three hours north of you in the Lacrete area, and it was going to be a six-month maternity leave. Uh, nine years later, <laughs> it's uh, we're still up there. But interesting with Peace River, that used to be our Friday night escape. We would drive three hours south to Peace River, go to the Boston Pizza, watch the late movie, and then drive the three hours back as as our friday night excitement so i know that they say in peace river once you've crossed the river you'll always come back so maybe that plays into uh that, that extension of what was the one year jeff yes that's right yeah it's a it's a beautiful place absolutely i had the same experience starting my career too going to university in calgary then got a position in southern alberta and thought, okay, I'll stay there long enough just to get my uh, permanent certificate, and then I'll go back to Calgary again. And it was 20 plus years yeah. down there <laughs> after that. <laughs> so yeah. Jeff, you know, one of the things that uh, I first heard you say, and it's always stuck with me, it brought a smile to my face when I first heard it, but uh, you had referred to the work that you were doing around collaborative response as PLC 2.0, I think was the <laughs> languaging that I've heard you use several times. Can you expand for the people listening to the podcast uh, what you mean by that? How does that resonate for you and your schools in Peace River School Division? Yeah. So first, when I became aware of collaborative response and did a little bit of reading uh, with your first book there, um, the thing that jumped out at me was uh, that this indeed was a ramped up version of PLC. So back in the late 1990s, early 2000s, um, you know, the PLC concept was uh, very uh, popular. And if you weren't uh, uh, involved in a PLC at the time, you were sort of afraid to admit it. You uh, you said you were involved even if you weren't. Uh, or you started to call things everything. that you used to call, this used to be our a social committee. committee, now it's our social <laughs> PLC. You got it, everybody had to be in a PLC. Now, yeah. as Michael Fullen said, groups of teachers coming together to collaborate is a very powerful thing, but they can actually be powerfully wrong if not focused on the right stuff. So yes. Rick DeFore and company, when they popularized uh, the PLC concept, which I was heavily involved in in a former professional life, 
it was their envision and intent that it be really focused on students and moving the student, uh, you know, student success forward. And in fact, in their school that, you know, has won uh, Blue Ribbon Awards for Outstanding Performance in the U.S. for many years, they did exactly that. However, they were committed to the really hard work. And what I saw happen at the time, and it's sort of, uh, you know, um, the le big learning piece was that uh, many uh, uh, PLCs did not do that deep focus. In other words, they did not get involved in a detailed kind of way in the collaborative team meetings. They, the, the PLC was really a collaborative planning meeting where teachers came together, had conversations, shared lesson plans, um, you know, talked about uh, some of their challenges and, uh, you know, there's a decent teaching practice I use. But there wasn't that deliberate effort to focus on students and to zero in and to put strategies in, in place specifically for students who had certain identified uh, challenges and then do the progress monitoring and all that piece. So in other words, the PLC concept back then, even though it was well intended and in, intended to focus on exactly that, as it became popularized, uh, it got watered down and it really became time for teachers to meet and to, to engage in professional conversation, which in and of itself is fine, but it really didn't generate the results that they that was intended. So that's what I mean by the the uh, the collaborative response being the, being the PLC 2.0, because collaborative response has deliberately built in those layers of support to guarantee that you know when you're doing collaborative response in the kinds of ways that you've um, uh, you know promoted and we're trying to move forward with that it guarantees uh, that teachers will be having good solid conversations about students with particular challenges and what can be done at the classroom level in tier two support uh, to help them become more successful. So in that regard, um, you know, when I read, uh, started reading about uh, collaborative response, uh, that was the thing that struck me most of all, that there was a very deliberate set of um, processes um, uh, identified and fleshed out around ensuring that teachers will indeed uh, be collaborating uh, collaborating about the right stuff so that we will get that big impact. You got it. Everybody had to be in a PLC. Now, as Michael Fullen said, groups of teachers coming together to collaborate is a very powerful thing, but they can actually be powerfully wrong if not focused on the right stuff. So yes. Rick DeFore and company, when they popularized uh, the PLC concept, which I was heavily involved in in a form of professional life, it was their envision and intent that it be really focused on students and moving the student, uh, you know, student success forward. And in fact, in their school that, you know, has won uh, Blue Ribbon Awards for outstanding performance in the U.S. for many years, they did exactly that. However, they were committed to the really hard work. And what I saw happen at the time, and it's sort of the le big learning piece, was that uh, many PLCs did not do that deep focus. In other words, they did not get involved in a detailed kind of way in the collaborative team meetings. They, the, the PLC was really a collaborative planning meeting where teachers came together, had conversations, shared lesson plans, um, you know, talked about uh, some of their challenges and, uh, you know, there's a decent teaching practice I use. But there wasn't that deliberate effort to focus on students and to zero in and to put strategies in, in place specifically for students who had certain identified uh, challenges and then do the progress monitoring and all that piece. So in other words, the PLC concept back then, even though it was well intended and in, intended to focus on exactly that, as it became popularized, uh, it got watered down and it really became time for teachers to meet and to, to engage in professional conversation, which in and of itself is fine, but it really didn't generate the results that they that was intended. So that's what I mean by the the uh, the collaborative response being the, being the PLC 2.0, because collaborative response has deliberately built in those layers of support to guarantee that you know when you're doing collaborative response in the kinds of ways that you've um, uh, you know promoted and we're trying to move forward with that it guarantees uh, that teachers will be having good solid conversations about students with particular challenges and what can be done at the classroom level in tier two support uh, to help them become more successful. So in that regard, you know, when I read, uh, started reading about uh, collaborative response, 
uh, that was the thing that struck me most of all, that there was a very deliberate set of um, processes um, uh, identified and fleshed out around ensuring that teachers will indeed uh, be collaborating about the right stuff so that we will get that big impact. Well, and I think, Jeff, too, and you've seen this as well, that when you first introduce collaborative response to schools, they see it as, oh, that's a meeting that we do on Friday. They they layer it into, well, that's like our PLC time, for instance. They see it as one instance, but I know that within your school division now, you, they we're trying to really reinforce that idea of it's a mindset. It involves everything that you're doing to support students across your school in a way that you're collaboratively responding to those needs. It's not a it's not an event that happens in one meeting. You got it. It's basically a you know a reculturation um, mm -hmm. of the system, the reculturation of how we think and act with regard to student academic achievement and this whole recognition or this whole concept that you've talked about or you know that every child deserves a team and uh, you know wrapping our heads around that and our collective synergy around that and we've sort of taken that to another level at a division level just like every student needs a team every school needs a team and so yeah. how do at the division level we deploy our resources to support schools in a manner that uh, will help them be more successful in ensuring that the students who need that extra support get that extra support to be successful that's so great, Jeff. And you, you've spent a lot of time focusing in on those layers of teams and and just that concept of being able to support your schools from the district level too. With that, you know, the similar process is really such a powerful concept. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of work trying to model, uh, you know, the collaborative response. So it's one thing for us to say, you know, collaborative response is something we're requiring our schools to do, but we want to be seen as modeling that ourselves. So if you were to come to our uh, uh, team meetings at the division level, you would see evidence of where we're actually attempting to do exactly that. And so just like we have an expectation uh, that teachers through the data that they have will make really solid decisions that will be helpful in ensuring success for all students, we then work with uh, principals uh, to ensure that each school is successful. So through collaborative response, um, and all of the structures and processes we've put in place and fostered, we've said to principals, you know, they should now be very well positioned to identify uh, the teachers who, are, who might be struggling to uh, do what's needed for overall maximum student success. And, and, and we want, we expect teachers to put those processes in place. And likewise, at a division level, we expect principals to be supportive of teachers in that kind of way. So it's sort of a nestled set of supports that when you look at it uh, from the three-year ed plan on down, there's very tight alignment going down to the teacher professional growth plan. So we've been working with our schools to say, you know what, let's turn the teacher professional growth plan from a compliance document to a very value added document. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had goals in your professional growth plan that actually would have, if you were successful, would have big impact on the divisions, the schools and divisions goals around literacy and numeracy. So why create extra work that, you know, doesn't... Um, doesn't help or necessarily help in, in the long run. So we're getting some good traction on uh, conversations with school administrators to say, hey, you know what? Uh, nothing wrong with 10 teachers on, the, on a staff having the exact same professional growth plan to become more functionally familiar with the various layers of support for collaborative response. Um, and then what wonderful dialogue that could go on during those uh, collaborative team meetings or just in the copy room. And then teachers can document their progress. And at the end of the year, if they're transferring to a new school, uh, hopefully within our jurisdiction, because we have a recruitment issue now and retention <laughs> issue, uh, but, uh, but to another school, they can share an artifact of their, uh, of their work for the year. Here was my commitment to my own professional learning. Here are the two goals that I identified. Here's the progress I made throughout the year. They tuck it into their overall portfolio. Now you've got the value added piece. And people realize working smarter, not harder, yeah. gives uh, gives them lots uh, more uh, opportunity to have time to, uh, you know, help students be more successful. Awesome. So we've been doing those kinds of things as well. 
Yeah, and it, clearly, you've spent a lot of time on clearly not even just building those structures and processes, but aligning them too. And Jeff, you mentioned the fact that you're really focusing in on the data and evidence yeah. now. So tell us a little bit more about what you've been doing around data and evidence. Yeah, so we've actually ramped that up in a very significant way this year in particular. So we spent some significant time building a dashboard of data. So we continue to custom design that. So we've got, we have it tweaked now so that it's actually quite useful. And Jennifer actually was uh, with us in the early going to help us set that up. Um, and uh, we've continued to make uh, improvements in it. So right now, uh, we actually have our dashboard of data set up to be perfectly aligned or near perfectly aligned with the goals and strategies in our three-year ed plan. So yeah, our three-year ed plan drives from a strategic perspective and from a systemic, systematic thrust forward, the kinds of things that we want to um, see done in schools to maximize learning and literacy and numeracy. And um, we have um, an inclusive responsive culture goal as well. And so uh, I think um, what came to light uh, for everybody as we uh, worked to complete our first annual re results report for the new assurance framework, which we were, we just came on board with last year, was the realization that, holy smokes, that this dashboard of data and all of the assessments that we, uh, you know, have in place uh, for, uh, you know, universal screening, beginning of the, of the year, progress monitoring, and so on, all of this is starting to gel together now. And so people are seeing the value in that. So we're, we're working with schools so that they um, can pull their uh, data and be well positioned to have important conversations about uh, the pulse of their school. Like where, what is the state of affairs with regard to literacy and numeracy achievement in my building using all of the data available. So we developed a um, organizational structure, a collaborative response um, inventory of school success. And basically what that is, is sort of a report card. And we initially intended, uh, intended it to be used at the division level, but it actually morphed into a school use document. So school administrators take that document yeah. and they do the uh, qualitative and quantitative data pieces. They pull the quanti quantitative data from our dashboard. The qualitative data is based on more on their own uh, observations through classroom walkthroughs and, and, and classroom visits more, uh, you know, longer periods of time within particular classrooms and gaining things like to what extent are our teachers using our literacy framework document or our numeracy framework document, the new curriculum uh, guides, uh, you know, the, and so on. And so they fill this document in and we actually have a formal structure in place uh, in a week and a half's time toward the end of February, we all have a principal's conversation where the principal vice principal meets with us and we just engage in a wholesome conversation. Uh, you know, hey, Mr. Principal or Mrs. Principal, let's have a conversation. How are things going in your world right now with regard to literacy and numeracy development? They take that then uh, inventory of school success and they use that as their speaking points. And they say, well, you know what? We just did the uh, a deep dive on our mid-year report card, uh, you know, results. And that combined with our um, diploma exam results that just were released. And here's where we are. In Div 1, Div 2, we uh, are actually seeing some promising results. We have a major dip in uh, at the intermediate level. However, you know, we're doing this, that, uh, and some other things here. And we think that's going to uh, serve us well in the long run. So it's an extreme extremely focused and purposeful conversation. And in, at the end of the conversation, I say to each administrator, so now that you've gone through this journey and the first time through it was tough, this time it'll be a lot easier. Yeah. If you were to walk up to the local co-op, picking up some groceries and somebody came up and said, hey, Mr. Principal, how are things going with literacy, numeracy and inclusive cultures? They'll be able to knock it out of the ballpark just like that. So they have their finger at the pulse of the essential things within the school with regard to uh, the quality of learning. And when you're when you're positioned that way, obviously they're much more strategically able then to move forward in the kinds of ways that they want, their teachers want, we want, everybody wants. So that's just one example of the uh, kinds of pieces of, of, of work that we're doing. Well, I think Jeff, what you're describing there is what we often share with school divisions, the idea that collaborative response is really that framework that allows you to really intentionally see success for your organizational goals. So that when you set out, these are the priorities, then we should be asking questions like, 
how do we know which students are at risk in these particular areas, which attaches to, do we have screens established that can give us that information? Then we want to be able to say, well, what are we already doing? How do we support students in these particular areas that we're trying to success? And that, that aligns with our continuum of supports. And then when are we talking about this? When are we coming together? Which is then all of those layers of collaboration, those four layers of team that really ensure, hey, no student is slipping through those cracks. But more importantly, we've got a mechanism, overall framework within our division that's clearly understood that ensures we're having success in those priority areas, that it's not collaborative response is one of our goals. No, no, no. It's, it's how you achieve those goals with high degrees of fidelity and success. Yeah, exactly. And so from that, we've actually developed now a school uh, profile. So basically, uh, we initially intended the inventory of school success to be our document to help position us. But because schools uh, wanted to take that document, we said, that's fantastic. So we actually have our own profile where we have where we pull important data around, uh, you know, the the uh, universal screeners that are used, the progress monitoring, and so on. And when we have our meetings, we sit down and say, okay, so is there a school that's struggling in Div One literacy? What's the name of that school? Is there another school that's struggling in that area? And what about another? And then we say, okay, so what strategies can we help foster at the school level? to make that difference. So again, modeling at our level, the exact same kinds of things that, uh, uh, or the, the exact process or similar processes that would be happening at the school level. And that's really giving us some really good Im impact overall. Uh, just one other quick example. So yesterday, and we do this more regularly now, I sent to all schools, the grades of students who were at certain thresholds. So the students who received at mid-year or end of semester marks from 46 to 49 and 58 and 59 and 68 and 69 and 78 and 79, 88 and 89, because these are really critically important threshold marks. So obviously the 46 to 49, we all know that impact. That's a kid or a child who with a little extra effort, i.e., hey, uh, Curtis, I need you to come in and do one more piece of work. I need one more piece of evidence because that might just be um, the, the evidence that I need to get you to, you know, to the successful finish line or to re-examine work that was already done to see if there's some other evidence that I can get. The 58 to 59, that might be the difference of a student who uh, getting into a, a post-secondary institution mm -hmm. or a 79 to an 80 could be a scholarship or an 89 to a 90 scholarship. So, I, we send out communications to each principal to say, hey, here's your data. Uh, we do this internally here at the division level. Um, and we send it out and say, hey, just to make sure that you, uh, you know, these students are on your radar. And that's really getting some really big um, uh, bang for the buck here because, you know, uh, on, one, on one level, um, you know, when people, uh, there's a saying that what gets measured gets treasured. So there's that aspect of it. And there's also the, again, um, the commitment to collaborative response on our end, that we're doing that deep dive on data as well, just like we're expecting them to do. So we're not asking any staff member, any administrator to do what we're not committed to do ourselves. And I will say this, our principals and vice principals and teachers are likely doing, a, not likely, they are doing a much better job at it than we are, I believe. Um, but by golly, we're working hard to catch up. <laughs> okay, so for any of our listeners who are accessing this through the podcast rather than the YouTube channel, you would, uh, we need to let you know that Lorna, myself, and Jen are sitting here nodding and smiling as, as Jeff is sharing here. I actually have to tell you that I'm getting goosebumps as you talk, Jeff. <laughs> so Jeff, the thing that really stood out to me the last time I was with your administrative group is yes, you have data that is identifying overall trends and um, and some of the more global picture, but we had conversations with principals where they were identifying specific students by name and being able to um, articulate what is it that we're doing that is leading to success or that we anticipate will lead to success. So it's so fascinating to see your leaders um, operating and shifting from a global perspective to an individual student perspective back and forth and just being able to clearly articulate what is it that we're doing that's having impact which we know is a clear indication of high degrees of collective efficacy within our organizations yeah absolutely so i think you know back to the 
uh, collaborative response being the PLC 2.0. Uh, you know, there's lots of evidence that teachers and administrators, school teams are now collaborating about the right stuff. And yeah. we're, we're continuing to push some of that on our end. So we take our uh, going to our dashboard, um, do a disaggregation of results to sort of get a better focus on, well, exactly who are the students who are struggling? And to the piece in one in your first book, you know, a picture, who are they? Do they have siblings in the school? Who's their mom and dad? Where do they live? Personalizing the data and, and then saying, my God, I can't believe that uh, Jeff or Curtis is here. By golly, we're going to do something about that. And that, you know, mm -hmm. that motivation to sort of step up to the plate and do more. So we actually have a, some of our division level staff do that disaggregation of results, say, for uh, Indigenous versus non-Indigenous students. And then we have the list by school. And then uh, we'll meet with the school staff, administration, and sometimes teachers and say, hey, here are the 16 students um, right now or who are in the yellow zone. Let's unpack each one of them. Why is Jeff in the yellow zone? Oh my goodness, look at the attendance data. He's missed a lot of time. Is there a way that we can get him in school more often? Because mm -hmm. with a little that little push, we move that yellow to the green zone. And we put strategies in place in mid-November. And then we uh, work with the school and, and, and staff and, and, and school administrators. And then in January, at the end of the semester for high schools now, and it's slightly different for other schools, obviously, we look again to see how well those students have done. And what's become extremely motivational and a celebration is that the 15 students in a school who were in the yellow zone in November, 11 of them have shifted to the green zone by virtue of the strategies that we focused on, very deliberate strategies that will be specific to Curtis and to Lorna and to Jennifer and Jeff, different strategies based on other data, both you know the qualitative and quantitative data that exists family structure, what might work best for Jeff and perhaps not for Curtis, and teachers then, and a credit to them, are coming on board to say, well, yes, I'm willing to try that. And of course, they become extremely motivated as well, because like you, I've ne never met a teacher yet that wasn't excited when their kids did well. And yeah. so, and so yeah. we're building that excitement and momentum and zeroing in on individual students, particular strategies, and sometimes the same strategy would be applicable to four or five or six students, and we're getting some uh, significant, uh, you know, impact on that. I mean, we still have, it's a journey. We still have a lot of work to do, but I believe that we now have all of the ingredients for the recipe. And we yeah. just have, we're figuring out you now the, the, the perfect combinations to get the, uh, the result that we all are aiming for. So it's an exciting time. Well, we're sure that's a, that's just amazing, Jeff. And uh, the thing that keeps coming out to me is that idea of support that everyone in your system now is completely focused on support, supporting students, supporting teachers, supporting schools, and just really having those what can we do to ensure that we all have success. And it, it keeps coming back to me too that that closing the loop. Yes. that you you're working toward ensuring that everyone in your system is working to close those loops. The other thing that's starting to play out more as well is that, you know, the students in the red zone and, and Curtis, you and Lorna have spent a lot of time and Jennifer as well, I'm sure, talking about, uh, you know, th those particular groups of students who are sort of right at the very top of the I was going to say pyramid, but I'll say diamond now, uh, very top <laughs> of the diamond. Um, and these students require a very different set of supports and collaborative response, you know, with regard to the uh, collaborative team meetings and so on. That's that's a, a different process. So you need to you're doing an individual uh, team consult with staff from within the school outside of the school building with other government agencies and so on. And that group of students need a very uh, different set of supports. And I believe there was a time when we spent a lot of time focusing on those children, and so we should have, but the focus was the, not necessarily the most appropriate one. So we are putting all of our effort there and we weren't really seeing the impact. And so yeah. another big value in collaborative response is the, the, the identification and articulation and fleshing out of the layers of support and the fact that, you know, students in the red zone typically are students that actually will require a different type of support than what is envisioned for uh, students who are struggling a little bit and perhaps uh, 
with some redirected strategies within the classroom, i.e. tier two support, uh, they can do well. Or sometimes they need some help from others within the building, uh, that tier three support, so that they can get right back into uh, you know, being successful with tier one, universal uh, teaching and tier two support. That has been a big um, uh, shift for us as well. And in the process of making that shift, I believe uh, people are starting to feel a bit better because, again, everybody's driven by uh, and committed to uh, wanting to see their students to be successful. And when you have students who have a lot of very uh, significant challenges, a lot of effort uh, doesn't move the needle, uh, the academic achievement needle like you, you would like. And in fact, for a lot of these children, there are other needs that go beyond literacy and numeracy development at, at points in time. So that's been very helpful uh, in framing uh, how we proceed with the identified needs of students. And we sort of um, have a level of specificity that we bring to bear based on the data that we use to determine what the needs of children are. The other thing we do is promoting collaborative response as a really important way uh, for school administrators to distribute their leadership influence across people and context and uh, and then get that big, uh, you know, free up time uh, to become, uh, to work smarter, not harder, to build um, on the academic press within buildings. So, uh, you know, as you know, Kenneth Leith would uh, sort of repopularize that 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 notion, uh, you know, uh, academic press. Uh, sometimes, you know, the catchword sticks, the sticky word really is, you know, how do you build uh, an academic focus within your school? And so we've spent some significant time talking about a collaborative response is the vehicle um, to actually do that and to quote in, what, in in your book, if collaborative response is the vehicle, then the collaborative team meetings is the engine uh, that drives that vehicle. And so back to the collaborative team meetings, the missing piece from the former PLC movement, collaborative team meetings specifically focused on what students need to be successful. And that group of students in the yellow zone, if we can figure out uh, and and uh, the, the, what their needs are and put specific strategies in place, the academic achievement needle moves very substantially. And when that does, uh, what we've been saying is that that actually does free up more time than to more deliberately focus on the, the red zone kids. Uh, the, you know, and so really we're, all of the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together and, and into focus for us in a nice kind of way, I, I do believe. Goosebumps, Lorna. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's so many pieces that that you've brought forward, Jeff. It's just super exciting. Jen, do you have a, a question for, we've oh, I been do. dominating the conversation here. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, honestly, Jeff's enthusiasm uh, comes shining through it. It's just, oh, yeah. just exciting to, to just poke and prod and, and have him talk more. <laughs> this question is brought to you by WeCollab. Designed by educators for educators, this comprehensive digital system aligns with the foundational components of collaborative response. Moving from conversation to action, WeCollab empowers classrooms, schools, and systems to provide the very best response for each and every child by informing action-based decision-making with data and evidence supporting student success. Jeff, the last time we talked, you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, how you intended this to be, you know, it, this was more than a three-year thing. This is more than a five-year thing. This was like 10 years and beyond because collaborative response was just going to be the way things operated. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your past self in relation to the implementation of collaborative response? It's a tricky question. <laughs> yeah, I think I've already alluded to the answer to that. But yeah, just to uh, refresh on what I, I think what I sort of said the last time around, uh, you know, collaborative response is is, is a journey, not an event. Uh, you know, the, the it's we're going to be into this is a way of thinking and doing that becomes a part of the fabric of the culture of, of the jurisdiction. So, you know, uh, it's like if uh, to use the analogy, you know, we're all uh, destined for uh, Calgary. And, we're all each school is on the road now. We've all we generally have the roadmap, and there's been a few detours along the way. And the notion that we will actually get to Calgary, uh, you know, that's just there as a as a target that we move towards. But once we get to Calgary, we realize that okay, now we need to move further. So it's going to be a continual quest as we move forward. And of course, 
the more established collaborative response becomes as a part of the way we think and do things, uh, the more powerful it becomes because you now have the executive functioning to do the stuff that you need to do to uh, help address the most uh, challenging of the issues within the organization. So knowing what I know now, uh, what would I have informed my former self of? I think it comes back to the whole concept around the PLC 2.0, because I was one of those people who jumped in, uh, you know, and went to the, uh, the PLC summit in Vancouver and came back and was excited and enthusiastic and charged. And we brought PLCs in, um, you know, we enhanced the PLC pieces in a significant kind of way. But what we didn't do enough of was to build in the layers of support that guaranteed that the students would be, um, you know, the focus of, of the day. Now, we did use the PLC concept to try to promote assessment literacy within the, my former jurisdictions and, and had some good success on that and had a lot of schools that actually became extremely successful by virtue of using the assessment um, uh, literacy um, initiative as the change initiative within the school by helping teachers to become more assessment literate you actually change the culture in a school that is more aligned with collaborative response and so we did have some success around that but um, in my if, if I were to go back to my former self uh, what would be really what would have been really really useful is to have that uh, three-piece puzzle and with the um, structures and uh, uh, processes piece laid out and the four layers of, of, of response. And to say to my former self, now, the part that you really need to zero in on are the collaborative team meetings because that's the part that gets at the essential pieces that need to be brought to bear to guarantee that laser-like focus on student needs and that's the focus that you need to have on a systemic and systematic level to make the difference for kids. And that would be what I would, uh, and I think if I had had that um, front and center uh, when I was moving forward, uh, it, I probably would have had to work a little less hard and got even better gains. That's, so That's so awesome. Right now, Jeff, we're working on a visual to that really demonstrates that missing puzzle piece. <laughs> that yeah. so many schools uh, don't have but have solid structures around their you know PLC and response to intervention those those pieces are solidly in place but there is a missing piece yeah and I love your analogy you know that you know the, the if, if collaborative response is the vehicle then the collaborative team meetings represents the engine and you know what um, a vehicle uh, no matter how good it looks and how much time you put into polishing it up and, you know, making it look wonderful is going to serve you very poorly if you don't have a really fine tuned engine. So, uh, again, it's about what you focus on and how you focus in on it that uh, will be determine the, the, the extent of success with collaborative response. And, you know, I think we're locking on to that in this organization now. And, um, you know, hopefully over the next two to three years, we can be in a place where we're celebrating even more, uh, you know, uh, because a lot of people are working hard to get to that place. Absolutely. So Jeff, um, last question here for you this morning. We know that there will be system leaders that'll be listening to this podcast and it may have you repeating something that you've already <laughs> said, but if you could speak to one of your system level colleagues and provide any advice to them about getting started with this work, what would be some key messages that you would share around introducing collaborative response within a jurisdiction? So first thing I'd say is, you know, uh, back to the piece, ready, fire, aim. So don't wait until the circumstances are all perfectly laid out to start. And in the starting, uh, I think it's also important to not uh, have a mindset whereby everybody has to start in the same place and that this is going to be yeah. a uh, you know, a one size fits all, and it's a very meticulous laid out step by step, lockstep process. In fact, I would recommend going into it with uh, the mindset that this is going to be messy. Some schools are going to move forward fairly quickly and then perhaps stall a bit. Other schools are going to stall a bit or for a long time before there's any sense that they've moved very much at all. And you know what? That's all perfectly fine uh, that you move forward with this initiative with no hard uh, dates to say, well, by next year, here's what will uh, the case will be, or by the year after, you move forward with initiative, you 
engage in substantial conversations about the importance of collaborative response as a very powerful uh, change initiative, uh, but uh, one that takes a lot of time that's uh, not linear, that is actually that actually needs to necessarily play out differently in each school because you have to take into account uh, context and um, you know demographics, size of school, the uh, the configuration of the school. There's so many variables at play that if you actually had collaborative response playing out in the exact same way in all those schools, it wouldn't be done properly. No. It has to be different. <laughs> it has to be unique to each individual school with some common overall pieces. And uh, I would also, uh, you know, comment that uh, as as you move forward, have people zero in uh, in a more deliberate kind of way on each of the three components, like uh, pay particular attention to what the structures and processes really are, what they really mean. Um, what about the continuum of supports and what, you know, and then the data and the evidence. And in doing that, modeling where you can uh, the kinds of things that you would want to see schools to do. So I, I'm a big uh, proponent of modeling. Never ask somebody to do what you yourself wouldn't be prepared to do if you can do it. Uh, and if you can't do it, try to figure out figure it out so that you can actually be seen as doing what you are on a daily basis expecting others to do. So those would be two big pieces I would uh, uh, share. Um, you know, be prepared to model uh, the commitment to collaborative response recognize that uh, you have to start somewhere and that it is it can be a messy process and i like the piece that you recently shared with us the other day as well recognize that actually a critically important part of that process is the cycling around it's going around in circles and and, and you know uh, consolidating learning to be able to make the next move so the looping back around um, mm -hmm. You know, helps to renew commitment uh, to celebrate what was already learned. And sometimes that seems like we're stalling, but in actual fact, it's a really critical germination process uh, uh, that, uh, you know, that allows uh, new ideas to come forward so that when we uh, school launches forward the next time around, it's making bigger gains than it might have otherwise made. So, yeah, and a bit of patience. I think people have to be recognized <laughs> that it's going to take some time. Well, and I think you really emphasize a, a key understanding that we've made over these number of years, the idea of it's iterative. Oh, um, absolutely. You need to come back to concepts over and over because each time you do, it's not a repetition, it's a deepening understanding. And you need to do that from a school organization, but then from a divisional organization as well. Absolutely. And I love, um, you know, there's so much about collaborative response that, uh, you know, that uh, is so valuable. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head with regard to, uh, you know, a structure, an approach to reculturing schools to be focused on what they were put in place for in the first instance. And so linking up, for example, the diamond of support now versus the pyramid of supports and recognize, you know, just simple things like the fact that, you know what, there should only be a small number of tier one, you know, universal uh, strategies for teachers to use. And then anchoring in John Addy's work around, uh, you know, highly impactful teaching strategies. Yeah. And there should be a lot of tier two because tier two is oftentimes individualized to a small number of students. So if you've got a lot of students in your school in, you know, in the yellow zone, you know, in need of extra supports, then you would, it, it's, it, it stands to reason that you'll have a lot of strategies there. And then the tier three, again, you're narrowing down to a very specific number and tier one, very uh, small number as well. So those visuals and those uh, taking those frameworks and structures and anchoring it to the other things that we know are, you know, um, are important around teaching and learning. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know, that I've used collaborative response as a, uh, you know, as a vehicle to help promote assessment literacy in the division. And we're getting some traction on that as well. So those are all, uh, you can get, I guess what I'm saying is that there's, there are substantial value added pieces as well. If you take the time and just think a little bit about collaborative response, how it's organized and structured, and then you can bring in some of the other organizational pieces that have been in your in your organization for many, many years and and actually anchor them on, hook them on to the collaborative response structure or framework without the feeling of, oh, my God, this is overwhelming. You know, yet another uh, another initiative. Well, in actual fact, collaborative response is the uh, the closet organizer for all the things that you had in your in your closet. I love it. Love it. <laughs> 
Oh, that's, that's super powerful, Jeff. Thanks for sharing that because we um, just thinking about, you know, all of those pieces around collaborative response can connect and can link to everything that you do, both at the school level and at the district level. So being really intentional about, about making those connections as you go deeper and deeper into the work. Jeff, it, you hit the nail on the head when you said it, collaborative response is a journey, not an event. Having spoken with you a couple of years ago and now coming back to this conversation, I, I've seen your enthusiasm for collaborative response as a framework grow. I've heard you talk more deliberately about how the division is modeling things alongside the schools implementing things. And so I'm really excited for our next connection in a couple of years to see how far you continue to grow. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, thanks to all of you. And uh, congratulations on a, a wonderful piece of work that's uh, rewriting the landscape, um, the educational landscape in the province and beyond. So uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful initiative that um, when committed to, makes the difference for kids. And that's why we all signed up. Oh, thank Thanks you so, so much, much Jeff. Jeff. That really warms our heart. Ensuring success for all students is a moral imperative for all schools, but it takes a highly coordinated framework of structures and processes to maximize the collective capacity of the team. In collaborative response, three foundational components that transform how we respond to the needs of learners, we share an organizational mindset that involves fundamental shifts for schools and districts. Numerous school and district examples, as well as access to a large number of resources, are provided within the text and in the accompanying companion website. Join the growing number of schools using collaborative response to ensure high levels of success for students and staff, stemming from the essential belief that every child deserves a team. I'm, I'm gonna start with exactly where I left it with Jeff. He hit the nail on the head when he talked about collaborative response being a journey, not an event. It's not a one-time drive-by PD. It's not a something we implement in our three-year education plan and it's you know lockstep and then it's done. It's a mindset and it's ongoing and it continues to grow. And that iterative process, Jeff talked about it, Marilyn talked about it in a Leading Collaborative Response podcast, the idea that the more we understand and go back and reflect, the more we start to realize what we didn't know, but now we do and now we can. And you know, it's empowering. Yeah, Jen, that really stood out to me too. That idea that you can see Jeff and, and the school division that he's a part of have really deeply internalized some of the key concepts that we share. It's not just, um, we we learned about this, this one concept and now we're done, but you can tell through the conversation that um, Jeff and through the conversations they're having within their organization just so deeply understand the why mm -hmm. behind, behind this work. And you can't arrive there just by reading a text or by attending a workshop. It, mm -hmm. it needs to be through that journey that you get the deep understandings that that Jeff is um was sharing with us today when I was when we were chatting with Jeff there I had mentioned that through line yeah. of support and and how their whole division has a, a deeply embedded understanding of our role in terms of the work that we do is about support so mm -hmm. teachers supporting students and EAs supporting students and and district leaders supporting schools in their work. And I think one of the things that really exemplifies that with them is um, that creation of their uh, inventory of school success. And Jeff had shared that with me early on, and I had a chance to be able to provide some feedback and go back and forth with Jeff a little bit on that original design but ori originally they had designed it to be used at the district level as Jeff mentioned but even the 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 thought that the schools then captured that the school leaders 
captured that and said, actually, this we want to be able to use that self. for ourselves. Yeah, self-reflection. And, and so just thinking about those beliefs that are being uh, really embedded yeah. across that whole system around what we do through our layers of teams and through our structures and processes and our data and evidence and our continuous supports to be able to support students at every level. Well, and you're you're alluding to it right there, the alignment oh, between all huge. the pieces within the school division. That that can't happen overnight or as a let's have three people go sit in a room and, no. and figure this out. And it's super intentional. Lived, lived alignment, and you're right, incredibly intentional. I really liked at the end of the conversation where he talked about taking all the pieces and the things that you've been doing because they're not bad things yeah. right no they're good processes you've got this meeting structure over here this assessment data you're trying to collect you know this set of supports over here that you're trying to communicate to schools is available to them yeah. but you're taking that and you're anchoring it into a framework yeah rather than the other way around i love well, the it, anchor yeah and we're right? We're yeah. going to be utilizing and replicating the language of the closet organizing. <laughs> love that. <laughs> love that idea. That's that is so true. And as he as he's talking about all of those pieces and and talking about like often we'll come to work with a school or school division. And if they have the background around professional learning communities and those structures from response to intervention, we'll often say, oh, you are so close. You, you're, you're you have so many really... things in place that are going to really um, build on your collaborative response. Yeah. If we come back to summarize, it's a journey, not an event. The journey is important to articulate and live out the why. The focus on support and the clear articulation of that, that's where the why stems from. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? And then coming back to that place of growing those beliefs. And that's where we can take the good work that's already being done and anchor it into the framework. And Jen, I love, and I think we end it with that, the idea of growing the beliefs. We can't just articulate the belief and then say everyone needs to align to this. It's we have to move towards it and recognize that those beliefs could shift and change through the through the deep conversations that we're engaging in over time. Which is one of the things that takes time. Yes. Thus the journey, not the event. Exactly. All right. Well, it's been wonderful to connect and engage once again. And you're right. It'll be uh, super exciting to connect with Jeff again in the future to see where the next steps are. Absolutely. Thanks Absolutely. so much. Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thank you both for, as always, for making time to to have these conversations because they draw out so much about the process. And you can see the pride that people have in the idea that you started. And when I talked about goosebumps before, I literally meant <laughs> every, throughout our whole conversation with Jeff, I, my, yeah, I had lots and lots of goosebumps. So <laughs> it's exciting work. And it's, it's exciting too, to see it that, that they own it. This is, yeah. this is Peace Rivers oh, collaborative re response yeah. that they've morphed, adjusted and developed, um, that that's theirs and most importantly they are Shared seeing ownership. success for their students yeah which is it. so powerful for more on collaborative response visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the jl insider to receive access to newly added resources and content make sure to follow us on social media subscribe to the podcast and the jigsaw learning youtube channel to access past and upcoming episodes join us again for more conversations about establishing refining and deepening collaborative response.